to the Prairie Pod. It's season three all season long, and we are in episode four, A Legacy of Love for the Prairie, A Landowner's Perspective. Hey, Mike. Hey, Megan. How's it going? Good to see you. Not that we, like, we see each other like most days, I think, but. I know, it's really hard. (laughs) Mostly for me. (laughs) I'm not insulted. It's a struggle. It's it's all right. I understand. I really do. Well, we're sitting here with our fantastic guest, and I'm going to do my best. You correct me if I do this wrong here, but uh, we're going to speak a little German to introduce our guest. So, wir werden mit Henry über seine Prairie sprechen. Henry ist ein ganz besonderer Mensch mit einer ganz besonderen Liebe zur Prairie. That's a very good. Danke! Wow. I wasn't sure where I was. I felt like... <laughs> sure yeah. where you Well, actually, I'm in New Ulm, so that makes perfect sense. <laughs> you want to be a right away or something? Yeah, right. Yeah. Just like a little bit of German in my... <laughs> so, we are introducing today's podcast in German, not because we're in New Ulm, but because we are with Henry Panowicz, who is an amazing landowner who has agreed to, I mean be interviewed by us, which in and of itself is a feat (laughs) to sit with us for an hour. No doubt. (laughs) Henry, why don't you um, introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, Just give you something about my background. Yeah, tell us who you are. Um, I used to be a German citizen, and when I was uh, 14 years old, I came to the United States. Uh, In Germany, I lived in in northern Germany, in a kind of a valley that, you know, there were woodlands on both sides uh, of the valleys and farmland. And uh, there's a railroad track ran through it, a state highway and a creek. And then there were houses. You have to remember that in Germany, all farms, there are no farms out in the country. They're all The village is made up of farms. Oh, huh. So, and that's some for me, medieval times for defensive purposes. When you were way out there, you were much more vulnerable. So that's a form of, you know, historical necessity and it just and it's wonderful so in the you know living in the village i was fortunate enough to live in a time that a lot of people haven't experienced i was like 13 years old the first time i ever rode in a car oh my gosh because uh my form of transportation was walking bicycling uh you know horse and wagon bus and train those were the transportation. I think in the village I grew up, there were like 500 people. And there was one car and one telephone for the whole village. Wow. Did you guys like take turns? Like Monday's my day with the car, Tuesday? From- no, there was just one owner, you know. And then, But, you know, popular you, you had to ask him if, if you, you know, for emergency, he probably would take you to a doctor or something. Well, that's kind of it. He probably would. <laughs> he probably, yeah. probably So you guys, is, you know, it's, I lived in a different century, but I wouldn't trade it. And I've been back this summer to look, you know, in the same village and stuff. And what has happened is before there were like 20 different people working the land, mm-hmm. you know, in, in different ways. Um, now there are two guys. Oh, yeah. And they have John Deere equipment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, and so it, it has changed the village. The, the physical structure, you know, is probably better than I remember it even. The landscaping, they've really done a good job. Hmm. But, you know, there is a certain um, spirit has left the whole place. Hmm. There's a certain people don't know each other as, as well as they used to because a lot of people have moved in in the time. You know, villages, there was no great turnover. You know, people married 
other people just down the road from in the village or something, you know. You didn't want to walk too far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take this one. She looks nice. She's about a quarter mile from my house. It's a good <laughs> Seems deal. right. She's got hair. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, anyway, but that's, okay, that's my background. But what was interesting, when I came to this country, I, I, I stayed with some relatives in Nicollet, uh, Crohn's. It's a big family. And what's really exciting, it was a farm right between Swan Lake and Middle Lake. And the wildlife, you guys, was just incredible. Mm. You know, at night, if you drove on the road, you saw ice in every ditch or something, you know. <laughs> and, you know, the ducks and the geese. And, and geese were not, geese were rare. If, if a goose flied over, that, that would be recorded in the newspaper. Yeah, right. But ducks, you know, uh, deer weren't that, my, that many either. It's right. just like, you know, that has changed. But mm -hmm. all the other little critters, mink, muskrats, you know, all those kind of things that were just... Quite rare to see nowadays, at least. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's sort of like... Um, it was an exciting time. You know, part of my job was to go trap pocket gophers, you know. Mm -hmm. And now I wish I had a pocket gopher. I would feed the pocket <laughs> gopher, not trap it. I would feed it. <laughs> you know? Sure. Important part of the ecosystem. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's in a sense... I have a hobby farm by Good Thunder, 35 acres, and... You know, it's uh, by by the Maple River, but the countryside has become quiet. There's a certain sad quietness. It's a it's a lonely quietness, and only time where you really see life is by rivers. I see more life in the town of Mankato than I see in the country. Is that right? Huh. I see oh, pileated wow. woodpeckers on Second Street, you know. <laughs> you know, just sitting collecting money, trying to find something to eat, but no. Uh, <laughs> but, you know. With their tiny change purses. Is that how you usually see them, Mike, out there? Those woodpeckers? I haven't thought of it that way, but maybe there's, yeah, something to that. But seriously, it's, it's, you know, it's I think the only place I see still wildlife is by rivers and ravines. and um, And then in town well that is interesting there, there are lots of not lots but certainly abundant data out there showing that what you're saying is is happening yeah. the, the recent bird work showing that uh, a third of the birds have disappeared since 1970 and and we know trends with pollinators and insects are happening as well and Anyway, we're starting off with this well, yeah, really bummer news. Yeah, before we get too yeah. depressed here, I do want to note the reason why we have Henry on the podcast today is not to depress us, but, to, but instead no, to inspire right, us. To, to inspire yeah. us, because while things are not great for lots of our species, and we know that, and we've certainly lost much of our prairie, we only have 2% left here in Minnesota, so I think uh, they, it oscillates between 1% and 2% if you're looking at all of the tall grass prairie is the entire ecosystem. So, yes, that is happening. But the good news is, is that Henry, when I was speaking in German earlier, I was saying that he's a very special person. And he's a very special person because he's also, in addition to being retired, which makes you special, he's a, he's a prairie enthusiast. And so, believe it or not, prairie enthusiasts are real things. These are not just people who drive around and they get excited anytime they see a prairie. Like, woohoo! I'm an enthusiast. I saw a prairie. Yeah. No, they're, they're a real group of people who are doing really valuable things. So I think 
the way that I would describe you guys, Henry, is that you're dedicated. You're dedicated to the prairie and you take your personal time to educate, protect, and restore prairie and savanna habitats. And that's pretty amazing and something that I'm very enthusiastic about. So you're basically like a tiny prairie army with drip torches, clippers, and knowledge. It's like the best kind of army. I see it as real reason for optimism because if 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 Henry can exp- can spread the word and we can get you know, uh, I don't know, one in a hundred people doing one tenth of the work you've done, it will Im- we will have better prairie. We will we will improve the habitat in, in the state. Well, I kind of come from the direction you know, it doesn't look good, but you, you the the option to there's no option to quit. That's right. It's never yeah. too late to do the right thing. Oh, I love that. You know, so that's that's just a basic assumption. So, and I see, you know, one of the goals when, well, first is uh, Randy Schindel and Scott Siegfried and myself, we started the chapter. Mm-hmm. And Randy Schindel is, is sort of, he was my mentor. And because I, I met him first to upgrade my woodland on, on the hobby farm. And he's he's really the germ that infected both Scott and me <laughs> in prairie. I mean, he took me to his prairie, and when I saw five six foot grasses, I I have to have those, you know. And <laughs> that sort of them. got me really going. And and he's you know he's Randy's a special person in in the Mankato area. Uh, his enthusiasm and his generosity and kindness and skill and knowledge has really. He's been a midwife for many prairie undertakings and many good kind of things in in the area. I'm just laughing because picturing Randy as a midwife of anything is is very (laughs) hilarious, but he is. So Randy does, um, he's a prairie enthusiast. He is very inspiring, and currently he's a DNR forester um, working towards retirement, which will happen, uh, I think, fairly soon. But he's he's one of the first people that I met uh, when I started at the DNR six years ago, and he's just wonderful. Like he's excited about Prairie, and mm-hmm. I'm glad mm-hmm. that he infected you with that excitement because we need so much more of it. Um, yeah, you give us a little bit of your background. Uh, t- tell us about your prairie restoration that you have and that you work on. When I bought uh, 32 acres first, and uh, there was woodland, and and there was uh, grassland, but it was um, not very high quality cover. And so after meeting with Randy and reading up on Prairie too, I, I became very interested. And so um, I have three different pieces of Prairie. And, you know, they go any place from five acres to seven acres. And they're all timed because a prairie to me is like having a child. Hmm. You know, you need to have spaces so you can give them a good chance to start out right. Nice. Yeah. You know, and so so it took me a number of years. And I think the last one I finished about uh, uh, four years ago. And, you know, to me, a prairie is... Um, you have a relationship with it. And if I don't walk my prairie once a week, there's something... Something not, missing? You feel like right. you haven't had a good week then. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know what, it's, I don't know it. Hmm. It's like a human relationship. You can't just think about it. You have to have, you know, we can have concept experience as thinking about prairie, but the real juicy stuff is the experience experience. And that's walking to the grass and prairies. All three are totally different. Okay, they're different. Nice. And uh, and 
every year I have a leaning towards a different one that I think I think I might like this one better this week. <laughs> and but I don't get just like just like children again. Yeah, yeah they're just yeah. Is you know it's prairies. You have to remember they're like human beings to come in all different forms, shapes, and so forth. Because when I started a prairie, I was really concerned. I want to see a real prairie. You know, I wanted to see a real prairie. Mm -hmm. Well, there are many real prairies, a big prairie. Gotcha. And, you know, and so so when you start the old prairie, the same thing happens. You mentioned the, the tall grass. Uh, what, else, what else has clued you into, what else has motivated you or inspired you to, to, to work on prairies? I, I think it's, I think what I like about what it does for the soil. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I remember we had once a, a rain many years ago. There was like maybe seven inches in a short time, like hour and a half. And around the farmstead, it was like walking in a basement on a shag rug that was flooded, mm. you know. <laughs> and I walked into the prairie. There was like nothing had happened. There you go. You know, it's so I think what I like about that, the water that falls, falls and stays in the area, it falls. And that's something we need because we have made our city so efficient and mm -hmm. our farm field so efficient that it always just draws off and then, it, uh, you know, it, it just totally uh, wrecks our rivers. You know, the rivers is just, it's a shame that, you know, they're hidden behind trees, but it's just... They never heal. I was in Europe this summer, and I've never seen a river as torn up as the American rivers are. You're kidding. Huh? The rivers, and I was on the Rhine, and the Europe had a lot of rain this summer. They had a lot of rain, hmm. which caused flooding and various things. But I didn't see any injured rivers, hmm. which wasn't—I saw more than one, because I was watching for that. And it's, it is— we can do much better. Uh, I was caught up in the moment because I was just thinking about that. And I was thinking about what you said about how we can do so much better. And that's kind of my whole approach to my work is we can do better and we can do better together because we mm -hmm. all live here. And so, right. you know, Minnesota definitely has a lot of use. It has a lot of industry in it, which is part of what it's part of our heritage. It's part of why we're all here in some respects. But there's also we're a natural resources state at the end of the day. And so we have a responsibility to care for those natural resources. And they also contribute directly to all of those industries and economies. So I was just thinking about all the, my brain was like thinking about all the ways we can do better together and just like stand in a circle and sing kumbaya because I have all these ideas about how we're going to do it. I want to do that. Okay. But, okay. Well, that's fine. You're not in the circle. All right. But <laughs> I'll be in my circle <laughs> with all my farmer answer. friends and we're going to figure it out because. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm yeah. happy to join as long as there's no singing kumbaya. That's okay. all I mean. All right. Fine. You can be in the circle. I know you meant it figuratively. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, Henry, <laughs> while yeah. Mike and I fight, um, what made you want to start volunteering with the enthusiasts? Well, it's, you know, first as we started the organization, we felt like we could do some good, mm -hmm. you know, because I think it always starts with education, you, no matter what. And, um, and I think um, is if you look at we don't have that many options. I mean, we need to bring back an, uh, an ecosystem that was that was born here, that's, that is at home here, that can really help us, you know, keep the air clean, keep the water clean, keep the water in place, mm -hmm. and uh, erosion and various aspects. So, you know, it's like um, bringing something from the past 
that we have forgotten about and reestablish it. And one thing I like about like Mankato with the bison now in the in you know Minneopa, that sort of is the cherry on the cake even mm-hmm. in a sense that kind of completes the ecosystem and people are so drawn to that. And you know the nice thing is I, I you know I'm very optimistic. You know, like uh, in Mankato, the city's using prairie plants to landscape. It's beautiful. I was driving there the other day, and I was like, yeah. oh, instantly, like, it struck the competition court in me, and I was like, New Alm, let's do this stuff. <laughs> like, I was, because I live in New Alm, and so I was like, man, if Mankato can do that, I'm ready. Like, New Alm can definitely do this. We got a pollinator park. We're ready to go. You know, the roundabouts, you know, they're outstanding, the, the prairie plants. They're growing. beautiful. And, and they know, did such a wide diversity of plants, too. Excellent. You know, and I've been tempted to get a city outfit shirt so I could collect seats and then arrest <laughs> me while I'm in the circle there, you know, and my wife slide, sl- drive slowly while I jump out of the car and pretend <laughs> I'm a city worker. Attention, and, uh, city of Mankato, if you see yeah. a oh, German we, we, gentleman. We work with the city <laughs> of Mankato. And then, you know, it's like the Children's Museum. They have outstanding landscaping in Prairie. Oh my gosh, they do. You, you know, it's, it's so Prairie is, is one goal when I started out, I wanted prairie not to be a special word to become like a common word that everybody had a sense of, of you what know it means. and, and yeah. i think we're going in that direction very well and you know i have farmer friends and it's like this you know i see an innocent some of the older time the old guys they're used a certain way mm-hmm. and you know changing over is like changing religions Right. It's not easy, you know, but the young ones. But so we have to work with what we're giving. And I think to all of this, my point is we have to be kind in understanding and trying to really listen to their point of view sure. and not just, you know, throw data at them. And, you know, and, 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 and the thing, it's an emotional issue and you can't solve it by being more intellectual, by giving an intellectual, you know, answer. That's very true. I always, so in my last job, I worked with um, the Natural Resources Conservation Service in the Soil and Water Conservation District. And the fellow I worked with there always said everything's about relationships. And yeah. at the end of the yeah. day, I mean, yeah, again, we, we all live here and people want to do the right thing. It's just, I used to feel, and I still feel bad for farmers. I really do because they receive so much information. It's mm-hmm. hard to know which of it's credible, which of it's trustworthy. And I would say from the intellectual standpoint, we know so much more now about how things mm-hmm. work. And, you know, just even knowing that prairie roots trap soil mm-hmm. and they improve water and they create space and structure in your soils. And we know through the Roots Project in Iowa and all of these other things that those can contribute directly to your bottom line as a farmer. And so that's just, uh, there's so, uh, I don't want to get us off on our, I'm already down a rabbit trail, Mike, pull us back. That's okay. I mean, okay, Henry, um, yeah. Um, uh, Tell us how your approach to to restoration and management, how that's changed over the years since you first started working on prairies. You know, each, uh, you know, I I helped other people get started in prairies, but, you know, but your own, then you live with your own mistakes and you learn the most, you know, because they're they're your home. Um, What I've learned the most from is, I think there's nothing, well, First, you have to remember the P in Prairie stands for patience. Ah, there you go. <laughs> you know, and uh, is 
I, I can't emphasize how important it is to prepare the site. You know, okay. it's not just like, you know, let's, you know, do once, you know, we'd round up and kill it and then next time throw the seed on it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I, I had one project, uh, you know, it, it took me uh, like um, close to three years. And then, the, and then, you know, what do you do? And then that, the one spring, it was very wet and I have a big cottonwood not far away. And it just put so much seed on it, it all took. Because it was a lecture. Oh, yep. You know, so then what do I throw the seed in? You know, I had to stall another year and say, you know, is uh, I have to control them first. But you know what has happened? This prairie is the most blooming prairie. Really? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, somebody paid me a really compliment. I still have some problems with cottonwoods. But he said, it looks like an old, original, neglected prairie. Oh, and nice. that is a high compliment, you, you guys. That's a very high That's compliment. That's a, you know, like, in, in, you know, the blazing stars, I have hundreds of them, <laughs> you know, in it. And, uh, and they're hard to grow in a reconstruction. They don't always come. You guys, is Randy harvested, um, I think, two over 200. Oh, my goodness. And, and he said, it doesn't show like anything. I, I was there. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's so it's so out of this kind of situation, some good things have come. You know, sure. And you know, one thing I noticed with old prairies, grass kind of take when flowers really get going, they suppress the grasses. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, I know a cemetery. I won't name the name. It's just here in this area, and we collect seed from it and hardly any grass. But my gosh, but the prairie, you know. I'm really touched when I see an original prairie plant. You know, that man never had anything to do with it. Because yeah. we have a tendency, if we have too much to do with anything, <laughs> it's not that good for the plant. <laughs> you know? It becomes more vulnerable to surviving. It might produce good for a year, but the second year it'll probably die. So would you say, is it fair to say that your approach has changed in that so number one we need site prep and then number two i i could be pouring words in your mouth here henry mm -hmm. but i i swear i'm hearing you say diversity is important getting you know oh, lots and, of different kinds of things yeah that's <laughs> weird hearing you say that megan i don't i've never heard that out of your mouth before <laughs> like well, a common podcast theme diversity diversity yeah. diversity well because you know what is is you know, and and I'm not. You know, I I I have good friends who are farmers. Yeah. You know, it's like I've told some of those guys. You know, it's a, a monarch has to pack a lunch to get across southern Minnesota. You know, <laughs> pack a lunch. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Diversity is definitely important, and we definitely are an agriculturally dominated landscape. Right. Um, which we need agriculture, but I think for a while we've been not quite in balance, and so we need to find a way to get back in balance so that we can have farming, we can have the prairie, Absolutely. and we can have all of the, the harmony that that provides when those two things are working well together. You know, eventually, I mean, it's just a matter of time that we would have to each... Uh, a number of acreage on the field would have a holding pond before the water goes in the river. Mm -hmm. You know, I, um, I've noted um, on Lake Washington, the, 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 the Lake Association has bought land and a lot of tile uh, used to drain in the lake actually goes in the pond with a lot of cattails and wood chips and they take out all the chemicals. And, and I think we need slow release. 
I mean, you know, we all know that how many days it took before the river rose after shower. Mm-hmm. Now it's like flushing a toilet. You know, right. it's like, you know, it's, yeah, it's fast. Well, on so, prairie roots, if you had more prairie roots on the landscape, right. uh, then you get more infiltration and you trap. Um, well, you trap that water, basically, right. you it slow it down. It. Yeah. That's what you do. So, again, we just have to find a way to get it. And I think it can be done. It will be just take time. And I think we have no choice but go in that direction. Oh, and there's lots of good things happening. Absolutely. With soil health initiatives. There's lots of farmers doing pretty incredible things. The no-till um, and some of those things. And I think that what that's exciting about soil, that uh, now looking at the micro level of soil, all the organism, and I find that really exciting. It is exciting. That and it's another really world where we know so little. Yes. I said to somebody that uh, we were having this conversation. That, okay, this is a prairie drop seed rant, Mike. Bear with me for a second. Oh, thank you. Okay. Okay. We were, we were talking about prairie drop seed, mm-hmm. which is a very important bunch grass for your restorations. And, well, for in any remnant prairie, it's a very important prairie plant. But we have trouble with it in reconstructions because it doesn't seem to grow when you seed it unless the site conditions are just right. I have sites where 15 years later, hmm. all of a sudden prairie drop seed's growing. And so I am convinced that there is some connection that's mm-hmm. broken in the mm-hmm. soil that has to mm-hmm. be repaired right. before it can really thrive in a reconstruction-type setting. I don't know what that is it hasn't been proven yet but yeah. I'm so when you talk about soil microbes I get really really excited because I think there's yep. some connection going on with bacteria and fungi and all of these hundreds of thousands of organisms that we don't even completely understand happening to make my beloved prairie drop seed grow I love that and plant it's an amazing plant you should this is one that if you're planting a home garden and you want to feature native plants uh or if you're just planting a prairie in general make sure that you you buy plugs and you get it in there it looks like a fountain it smells like popcorn what's not to love it's a very very important plant for getting that structure in your prairie anyway that was my drop seed rant you know one thing is i don't know if in in the woodlands uh, um there's a book that has come out now it's a few years Peter Woldeben, he's a German forester, and he has taken research from all over the world. And, you know, he has shown, they've shown by different research from United States, Canada, and different currents, how trees communicate to electric currents, to chemicals, all right. to phenomores, yeah. you know, how, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I wish we could get to the prairie in this kind of thing and point exactly what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, the table has to be set a certain way before, you know, Perhaps right, it shows up. See, that's another thing about prairie is, is you put a seed in and you think, oh God, that was a dud. Never <laughs> give up on a prairie seed. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you go long enough, all of a sudden, there it is, and you think it's you know some kind of miracle. No, it's just a delayed bloom, and you know. Yep. I've never, I don't think I've ever had a failure in all the years that I've been doing this. I've had things go the way I didn't want them to go, let's be clear. I've had things, I've made plenty of mistakes, but I, you're, if you take the time to do your site prep and plan your seed mix, you're not going to fail. You just may not get what you thought you were mm-hmm. going to get. When you wanted it. When you wanted it. Yes, exactly. Like the prairie is going to have a way of, of doing it. But, okay. Tell us quickly, uh, what are the most important things you've learned that you want to share with others? 
Um, that I think is, you know, is um, like when you start a prairie, it's like having a, a small child. The first three years, it will take a lot of time. But after that, you know, they hit adolescence very fast or early adulthood. And, and they're, <laughs> So they're, your children were teenagers at four, I'm just yeah, being Exactly. Clear. Okay. <laughs> it, you know, in, 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 this, in a metaphorically way of speaking, yeah. Is, uh, so I think, keep that in mind, you know, don't set you up, go into it realistically that it will take that much, but it's a long-term investment and, you know, later on, you just have to go and snip there or something like that. Sure. And, and you know, in each soil is different. I mean, this, the, the, the soils I had, they were very neglected and there was an incredible seeds of thistles. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and, and I, think, um, um, I think, you know, one thing that I've really been impressed, you know, the farmer sprays for thistles, uh, for weeds every year. And like the neighbor this year, there was too wet, they couldn't get in the field. And all of a sudden, the world was full of weeds, mm-hmm. you know, and they had to work. So it's the, the bed of weeds that is in soil is just unending. I always call it the dance of the witches because, <laughs> you know, different things. I mean, like at the treaty site in St. Peter, we had, you know, a marijuana one year. It was the big sale. Really? You know, it's just full of you know, marijuana, but the old hemp plant, they're not as right. powerful. Right. But there are no silver bullets. Let <laughs> If you have never heard that before, you are hearing it here right now. There are never any silver bullets. No plant, no person, nothing. There's not one thing that's ever going to get us there. It's always going to be a combination. Right, and, and what you have to learn is to forgive yourself and yeah. move on. I feel very peaceful right now. We were talking with Henry earlier, and he said that um, for your job, you were a psychologist in schools, and I feel like I'm having my like one-on-one I know. like therapy yeah. therapy with Henry, <laughs> like prairie therapy with Henry well, moment. Can you come by every Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. yeah. could you yes, pray yes. Tuesday with Henry every just, Tuesday? Just, just let me tell you this. A fully adjusted person is dead. The rest of us are always adjusting. <laughs> And okay. we have to learn from them. Good to know. So the, good. the standard isn't that impossible. Mike's well, the most relaxed I've ever seen him. I know. That's so what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while we have you here, I just yeah. I wanted to make sure yeah. we got your thoughts on how we inspire a new generation of, of prairie lovers. Uh, getting getting people, more people than there are now, you know, not not just actively restoring prairie, but that are behind and supporting prairie conservation that understand mm-hmm. how important it is and how cool it is. How do, what's the best way to go about doing that? You know what, we have done a two kind of prong approach. We have a uh, connection with the college. Okay. So we have students who come. But, you know, the students at the college, it's like living in the cancer ward. Everybody leaves in a short time, you know, is the same thing. But, you know, they get good. They come for burns and they get excited. And we have a, a professor there who is very excited and he works with us, you know, so that's one way. And then is this Mankato State? Mankato State okay. University. Yeah, yeah, right. And then, for instance, here in New Ulm, uh, the Isaac Walton League has been very good to us. Oh. And for instance, uh Last um, summer, the high school has two classrooms. They're outside classrooms, okay? And the teacher there, um, 
wanted to uh, called us and to see how we could help him. He was interested in Prairie. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the first thing is we, we listened to the students and one student said, you know, as soon as we get out there, you got a paper, the wind blows it away. You know, <laughs> and, and what it is, it's really a first rate site. They're all uh, uh, benches made out of limestone kind of structure. Oh, okay. It's really excellent. And then it's uh, this court site from New Ulm is the floor of it. You know, oh, it's very, very well done, done, designed by architect. So what we did is we, we planted a windbreak. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that would, because it faces kind of in the western direction, there's a lot of wind blowing. And that's one thing. And then we have a display garden of plant identification. And we got over 40 plants and we bought the plants already. And then we have them, you know, so the students can walk around and and learn about prairie plants right there. And um, and so we have another year uh, because there's a you know a piece that's maybe a little wider than this room and twice as big between the classrooms, and we want to put just a prairie, just random planting. Mm. And um, but anyway, you know. But there's challenges. So a building, you know, this is a really great building, the high school. But the thing is, you know, the soil has been so moved. They, you know, they dug down for footing, so they get all the clay up. Sure. And you know, and then once you get into that, so what we need to do, we needed to do, we needed to amend. First, we had to rototill all the stuff, huh. and then we found some old guy. He and Noam, he was a really nice man. He wrote it tilted. No, we paid him, obviously. And he, he asked a price. We even gave him more than he asked. So we'd had to amend the soil before we could the plants in. Hmm. And the plants really took uh, like gangbuster, you know. So, see, that's what I mean. The youth is their future. Right. And then um, we, we recommended recomm uh, uh, data, I mean, books to him. Okay. You know, you ask like um, Matson, John Matson. I don't know if you know the writer. Mm -mm. Oh, he's a wonderful guy. He is. I just Mike's nodding, so Mike knows. Yeah, I, I used to have the book. It disappeared. I figured. I thought maybe you stole it, Megan. I do not take your things. Okay, okay. Stop blaming somebody, me. Somebody stole it, so it's that good of a book. It was worth yeah, stealing. You know, he is. He died over twenty years ago, but he's still in print. Oh. So it's it's he and you know, he was a guy who he called himself a prairie dog. Uh, and, you know, when he writes, you actually are there when you just read it, mm -hmm. you know. And he he ran around all the prairies in Iowa and various places. And he even has part of the information is how they used to start prairies. I mean, you know, we have learned so much how to make it much easier. Before, you know, at one time, they, I think they even had four by eight plywood sheets that would lay down that holes drilled in and then they put the seat in these holes because they weren't quite sure really? how to space him and so forth. I mean, it was like doing dental work through your foot, you know. Uh, <laughs> through your foot. Easy. Dental work through your foot. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it is. Um, anyway. What's the name of the Matson book? Did you say I, I can give you here. The exact title is not Where the Sky uh, Begins. And yeah, there you go. Where the Sky Begins. Yeah, wait one. Uh, I have one here I can give you. Uh, oh, excellent. Uh, it, 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 yeah, he, it, you know what? He is uh, oh. um, a very good writer, and he loves prairie. Just no question, yeah. you know. And... Yeah, it was one of the first I read on, on this subject of prairie. It was one of the first I ever read. 
I used to have it. I we sold our house this summer, so is I everything is packed away. But I used to have it on my nightstand where I would just read, you know, four pages or five pages before I went to sleep. It's it's a it's a, you know, he writes with heart and the, the love for the prairie and uh, you get the juiciness of the whole experience by yeah. reading him. I so, like it. It was it was published in 1982. Yeah, it's a good go. year. Oh no! <laughs> the year the prairie broke its mold for little baby Megan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, while we're talking about books, I think that this is a great time for us to wanna, transition. I just want to make sure. So you're saying the yeah. key to inspiring a new generation of prairie lovers is to get them out. Get their hands dirty, working in the prairie, uh, yeah. working restoring prairies. Yeah, and yeah, and you know what? And it is good if you can be excited in the process. Yeah, you know, if okay. you can be really vulnerable in uh, with your caring for prairie and show that, you know, because you know what? Everybody wants the experience of genuineness. Sure. You know, when you really talk about something you love, you can't screw it up. You know, because it yeah, just that's a good way to put it. It just comes, and people thirst that because you know, we have a tendency to speak by numbers. I mean, kind of mm-hmm. like we paint by numbers. You, you know, nobody wants to take a risk to sound funny. Let's science to the literature science. Okay, this is the part of the podcast where we recommend a book, a blog, or a paper, and it's only right that we already sort of mentioned John Madsen and his work. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to jump into a few other things. My pick for the day is the Prairie Reconstruction Initiative website. It is a (laughs) Google-hosted website. And I'm mentioning that because if you haven't heard of the Prairie Reconstruction Initiative, you really should, and you're doing reconstruction work, work with prairies in the Midwest, you really should join um, to get information about that group. They're a multi-state group. They're made up of scientists, researchers, land managers, and basically we're all working together to try to figure out how we can answer some of our most challenging questions about what makes reconstruction successful through time. So our goal is really to make sure that if you're going to plant a floristically diverse prairie, that we maintain that diversity through time and we keep that resilience on the landscape. And that's not something that we quite, we're much further along. We know more than we ever did, but we've got work to do. There's still, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of critters that we don't even know anything about that we were mentioning earlier about um, some of our soil microorganisms. So there's lots of things that we don't know. When people talk about space being the the last new French frontier, I always think that soils is like <laughs> soils and and prairie connections is still a frontier that we um, have yet to discover because so much of that ecosystem is underground. Absolutely, Mike, your pick. My pick, uh, the Minnesota Conservation Volunteer Magazine. So the magazine as a whole is amazing, yeah. and and I I highly recommend it. But in particular, I want to talk about the sense of place issue. I think this comes out on an, on an annual basis. Uh, I don't know if it's annual or not. Okay, regardless, it's monthly. Re, what would you say? Comes every month. Okay, the magazine comes every month. Yeah. yeah. There's a sense of place issue yeah, yeah. I, that I wondered mm-hmm. if that in particular came out yearly. Mm-hmm. Regardless, the latest one 
is what I really want to talk about because there's some focus on prairie in here. So there's two there's two articles. One is a photograph article, and to me, the you know photographs um, are a key part of communicating the value of prairie because it because of the distances you can see. There, there is so much beauty in Prairie that you don't get elsewhere. And and this fella, whose name again is... Jim Brandenburg. Jim Brandenburg, thank you, Megan. Um, takes some fantastic photos, and several of them highlight the Prairie sky, which I really like. It's one of my favorite parts of the Prairie. Coming from a forested area in, in mm -hmm. you know, in my youth, meaning like five years ago. Um, in my youth. I really appreciate being able to see the sky, and that combined with with the with the biota, and and the and, and the rocks and the dirt in a prairie, it's beautiful. It's soil if it's in a prairie. Let's be clear, soil is alive. Oh, you can't dirt say dirt. Is, dirt is dead. Soil is alive. You're just an Let's elitist. You know that's not an elitist. It's called being a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, soilist. Okay, so soilist. then soilist. Then there's an essay also in this article. I just wanted to read a quick. Can I read this? Is that okay? So this is by a famous local author. Oh, gosh. And so just hang on, and listeners, you can guess who wrote this, okay? Oh Every time I step onto a site, whether for my job... No, this is giving it away. I can't read that part. <laughs> okay, all I want to do is pause to take it all in. The waves of golden-tipped Indian grass, the deep blues and purples of blue stem, blue stem intermingling with the bright green of drop seed. Wildflowers in a riot of shapes and colors, symphonies of calling birds and buzzing insects, the rich spicy smell of soil that took thousands of years to gain its unique aroma. The prairie is alive. How many times have I been surprised by a vole scurrying through its secret tunnels in the grass or startled by a garter snake basking in the sun? It doesn't take long to get lost in wonder. So I gave it away. That was our own Megan Benich that wrote that. Oh, wow. Thanks, Mike. That was very complimentary. But I really like how you emphasize the importance of, mm -hmm. of wonder in the prairie. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's something we don't emphasize enough. We talk too much, probably. Well, we don't talk too much, but we, we talk a lot about ecosystem services and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. right. Like water infiltration. And just like, like Henry, Henry was talking about, we're doing lots of quantification, lots of numbers. But mm -hmm. that, that sense of wonder is... Is important. I'm still in it for that. So your essay does a good job of highlighting that. Well done. Thanks, Mike. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we wonder not enough. That's right. I agree. We are yeah. all underperforming in the domain of wonderness. I would have to agree with that. That's why I. Well, they asked me when they asked me to write the piece. They asked me to write about you know my connection with prairie and mm -hmm. why it matters so much to me. And I always mm -hmm. struggle a little bit when people ask me that question because I'm not sure if I should give the scientific answer of all the benefits, all the things sure. that Prairie's doing for yeah. us, right? Or if I should give the real answer, which is just I'm emotionally connected to it. Like you said, it's a relationship. I'm in a deep committed relationship with prairie yeah. we soulmates like we living together like so it, it's beautiful i want to have a talk with your fella about this uh. <laughs> yeah. oh gosh um and one thing i want to mention really quick because we're going to jump to henry's pick but i forgot to say this about the prairie reconstruction website and so i want to make sure i do 
They also have, they're a repository for research. So related research that they're doing related to prairie reconstructions, how it can become better. Field days, which is where we all get better because we learn from each other. And now they have a database and monitoring protocols to help us do a better job of evaluating when something went right, why did it go right? And when something went wrong, why did it go wrong? So I want to make sure I said that. Henry, your pick. Um, I think is what I did is the Prairie Enthusiasts have a, uh, a magazine that comes out. And um, the Nature Toolbox, Citizen Science, and it's, I, I found it very helpful is, and the plant they're talking about is the wood betony. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it is an interesting plant. For instance, one thing that I hear and I have seen a lot is that people have prairies and they're like wheat fields, you know, all tall grasses and there's nothing colorful. So it's, it's, it's better than maybe what it was before, but it doesn't feed diversity. It's a yep. very stingy prairie, you know? Stingy prairie. Uh, and so the thing is, so they say, well, what can we do? You know, what we have recommended, you know, take Roundup and kill spots. And then, you know, then keep doing this for time and then for a year and then seed it with, with plants. Now, this is an approach with wood betony is you, you, um, you take this author, what he recommends is that you take a piece, maybe like five feet by 10 and stake it out, mark it, and then you burn it. Now, that's hard. I didn't follow the article, but it's hard to burn a piece of prairie in the middle of a prairie you got the whole thing on fire, so <laughs> right, you know, and do it safely. That's the way he started burning it first, and then mowing it, and then uh, putting seed in, and uh, and he, he indicated that the seed you would need is about as much as you have in the hand, not to, up to your finger, just in this cup. Wow! And uh, and that the the magic of this plant is that it uh, it is a parasite on tall grasses. Hmm. So it takes moisture, nutrient from big blue stem, you know, um, switch grasses and those. So it suppresses them, or Canadian goldenrod. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It suppresses those because they're pretty pushy fellows sure. in the prairie. Pushy. And, uh, and so then they will recede, and then you can introduce flowers. I see. You know, and uh, there are a lot of um, plants that get along with this particular uh, plant so you it's not too late to improve i mean i've gone like from mankato to to pipestone and a lot of big prairie grass places but they're not very mm-hmm. they're kind of stingy stingy prairies yeah and i think this is a and you know what you do this for a year he claims you know the first once you see that the first year you have to keep mowing as soon as everything gets eight inches you should mow it down to four and, and but this plant will then take over, huh. and after one year of you know giving it, making sure it gets sufficient light, so it can form, and, and you plant these seeds in bunches. Apparently, it's a, it's a plant that likes to have its family members close by, <laughs> and uh, and and you know after, and then over time you can see that the uh, goldenrod, big big grasses recede because they ba- basically get worn down by uh, the interesting is it's a green plant so it can actually it is a parasite lives from other for the uh, big grasses but it also produces own photosynthesis wow 
Well, and it's a, I'm glad that you picked it because there's a mixed bag of literature on wood betony and yeah. if it really does work or not. There's some research that suggests that it, it doesn't actually work that way. Mm-hmm. And so, and, but then there's other research that suggests that it could. So I feel like it's one of those mysteries still where it's not fully certain how it's working, when it's working. But so, I like that this article so, includes so pictures. It's pictures, yeah. you know, is, um, and this is apparent that you can see the already variety you know, hasn't, he hasn't been able to introduce and that these other uh, more aggressive plants. I think that's another thing when you start a prairie, you don't want to have certain plants right away. Mm-hmm. Let mm-hmm. them establish and then introduce them. Uh, you know, there's a Canadian, um, it's, it's they call it beggar slice, you know, it sticks on you. Yep. Uh, oh, yep. You know, tick foil, Canadian tick mm-hmm. foil. It is a very, I have it in one piece of the prairie it's such a pushy plant i just mow it you know and the prairie looks like it's been attacked by moths or something you know <laughs> but i suppress that plant because it's just you know like an old buffalo rope you know that has that seen its better days uh but anyway it's uh you could see um that is a plant that you want to not have many seeds of it I see. Because it's very successful yeah. of spreading out because anybody who could close drags it someplace else. Well, the hardest thing I think about prairie restoration in general is that mm-hmm. prairies um, have successional stages just like forests mm-hmm. and everything else. And so there are certain things that are supposed to be there in the beginning and there's certain things that are supposed to move in over time. Now, when you're starting from scratch and you're trying right. to recreate that it's difficult to know when to put what seed in where and how to make it all work with our funding constraints and our timing constraints sure. it's we're still yeah. we're still not there yet but your your point is well taken well and you know it's it's uh people are impatient they want to see results right away <laughs> the pea you know, and prairie is for patience yeah and that's why we have the black eyed susan you know in it, it that blooms right away it's not doesn't last very long but people say, oh, wow, look at the prairie, you know. It's done something, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, anyway. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I find that it's a nature's way. And, again, you know, you have to be careful with nature's helper. We have screwed up many ways using that kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Hey, Megan. Yeah, Mike? Take a hike. Let's all hike together, Mike. I want to hike with Henry. I would hike with Henry every Me too. day just so I can listen to his beautiful accent. Can you have a shift um, and then I have a shift, or do we do it at the same no, time? No, we can all do it together. Okay. We're in this together. Well, Henry made a face, so maybe you can't come. <laughs> I made him coffee. You didn't. I was. <laughs> so this is the part yeah. of the podcast where we are going to talk about some of your amazing public lands. That's right. You are a public land owner. So... Like we do when we have a guest, we gave them the opportunity to pick some of their favorites. Uh, Henry, do you want to start us off with your favorite? Some some of your favorites, I shouldn't say. Your you know what is is um, yeah. Some of my favorites are actually is 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 I haven't explored, you know, Western Minnesota much, mm-hmm. but I've spent like in the uh, in the sand hills of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I spent a week with a rancher at, at his ranch house and a friend who knows the guy, and we went to all those prairies. I, you know, it's it's like an ocean bottom just with grass, you know, wow. and it's just phenomenal. And uh, But to be very honest, favored, you know, I, I would say my favorite prairie is the one I, always, I would 
I'm standing in at the moment. Okay. You yeah. know, and, and, yeah. and because I want to go and really experience this prairie, not through my concepts of, you know, if you have a favorite, that means you have a picture how they should be, what the prairie should be. Mm-hmm. And then you okay. superimpose it over this wretched little plot, you know, whatever it might be. You know, you don't give it a chance for you to really see what it has to offer. So, you know, my favorite prairie is it's just like the guy who's hungry. His favorite hamburger is the one he's eating. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the same thing as far as I'm concerned, as far as prairie is concerned. <laughs> But if you were going to hike today, I think earlier you told Megan's me you gave me two. Down yeah, now. I'm nailing you down. You gave me two. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the Casota Prairie, I know that, that piece of land when it was a cow pasture, when cows were in it. Mm-hmm. I still remember. Really? And it used mm-hmm. to be a place to go parking when you had a girl and you had to get out of town, you know, for a little oh, privacy. <laughs> and, yeah, it was out in the country and then you parked. I mean, you know, you talked, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, Lots of relationships going on there. Well, and the prairie. You know, and then and then it went to a phase. The National Guard wanted to make it into a, a target range, you know, oh. with around their vehicles. So then, you know, there's an uprising of the locals. And so the Friends of Minneopa, of, of, uh, of the Casota Prairie, there was a pretty politically active group that changed that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Uniman, um, um, you know, the sand for fracking. Right, and they've uh, and they have done it, and they've been very supportive of Prairie, and they have helped give money. They actually had uh, Prairie Resto come in and burn huh. and produce. So the Friends of Minneopa are kind of group, and they do some work and they do tours, but a lot of the work was done by Uniman. But Uniman got sold, and now the whole fracking has gone kind of sideways. So. I think the prairie is going to benefit. You know, land recovers if if people just leave it alone. And there's enough heart of prairie that it can spread, you know. So I, I think it's an exciting area, you guys, to go. I've gone there and collected flocks in various things, you know, and, and dragged it to other places. Um, uh, but... To me, do you see? Is to me, it's a prairie is like a relationship. You you have to see it changing, and be you know see that just going as a tourist. I don't want to be a tourist prairie tourist. Okay. 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 I want to have a relationship with the prairie, and it is close. I can go, and you know, I love my prairies, and you know, a, you guy uh, Gary Rathman. I don't know if you know him. He's mm-hmm. in Western Minnesota. He has one of the best restored prairies around. Hmm. He does. He's a retired farmer and who took his land and put it into into prairie. You know, and he's an incredible, nice man. Yeah, and he has a big heart, and he's a very skilled man with with fixing things. And he's a, he's one of the member of the organization. But if you want to ever see, that's what I need to see. An yeah. ex- ex- a, a really an excellent, and you know he has houses for bats. I mean, he he, he, he made our a, bee house here yeah. at the headquarters. Really, he makes bee houses. Huh. Yeah, and he had a pond for turtles. Well, so then he dug out and made a beach. He hauled in sand so they could lay their eggs. And, Wow. Oh, he's great. I mean, I, you see, he's a, managing the whole ecosystem, it sounds like. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, his, his uh, bluebird houses, is they're, they're kind of wind, they turn, 
so the wind doesn't blow in the, in, in the opening. All right. You know, I mean... Genius. He's incredible with the stuff he yeah, engineers. Yeah, he is. And everything he does is really well done. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. Good to know about that. Just a reminder that if you wanted to go to Gary's property, it is on private land. You have to chat with him, chat bring him, him some first. cookies, that yeah. kind of thing. But, but the Casota Prairie SNA, you can, mm-hmm. I, I think you were talking about Casota Prairie as a whole, that whole complex that's over there. Your public land that's over there is a right. scientific and natural area that you could visit. But it, it is a, a larger prairie complex that's currently right. owned by lots of different folks, mainly Covia, the mining company, owns right. quite a bit. I think that's a new name. Yes. But, but the Casota Prairie is, is for public, I mean. You can, it's a public. The area. scientific natural areas, yes. Yes. Mike. Mine is Joseph A. Tower, Prairie Scientific and Natural Area. Tower, spelled T A U E R, right? Yes, sir. So that, you know, you're talking about developing relationships with prairies. Yeah. I, I kind of have one with, with, with J. A. Tower, I think. It's just mainly, it's so close to New Ulm that we end up going there lots for trainings and. You know, when we're trying to uh, uh, work out some survey protocol, run the Joseph A. Tower and figure it out. And then it is actually a site where I've done some monitoring, a site where I did some management, uh, uh, an attempted prescribed burn. It is a it is a floristically diverse, pretty high quality prairie. I can't remember how many acres it is. But, you know, it's kind of a small one. It's Unfortunately, indicative of a lot, of, a lot of the prairies in this area, it's surrounded by mm-hmm. agriculture. So it's kind of a, I don't know if it's, it, I don't know if you want to call it a postage stamp prairie. It's a smaller prairie in an otherwise ag-dominated landscape. Well, and it persists because of the farmer who owned it. He knew that there was something special, and he's the right? one who said, "I'm, I'm not going to convert this to farmland. I, oh. This is something pretty amazing." Mm-hmm. And so he kept it that way until he. He sold, sold it, it to the DNR, and that was part of his intention: is that he wanted it to remain nice. in prairie. So we owe a big debt, I mean, yeah. to to farmers as well, because they're the ones who are stewarding the land, you, you know, as are all other private landowners. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so anyway, that's I all, I, that's, all I have, that's all I have for that. It's a it's a cool place. I recommend visiting it. I do too. It's really neat. It also has one of the largest populations of lead plant that I've really? ever seen. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's very, very pretty. It's a long-lived plant. <laughs> it's a very long-lived plant. So my pick is kind of a, maybe not a as-known site, uh, Devil's Run Wildlife Management Area. Mm-hmm. So this is in Murray County. It's just northeast of Slayton, and it's right off of Highway 8. And mm-hmm. I believe there's also a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service property adjoining it to the north there. It's the Devil's Run WPA. So we're very creative with our, our naming there. We have the Devil's Run WMA and the Devil's Run WPA. That's just part of our synergy, working under the conservation plan together. <laughs> <laughs> Prairie Partners for Life, Fish right. and Wildlife Service DNR. So um, I did some seed harvesting this past year out there with Bill Shuno, one of our wildlife managers, and it is just beautiful. It's got, it's a hillside for most of it, and then it's got some wetland basins that you look over, and it's one of those sites where Jess, you know, she would talk about a prairie vista and how gorgeous it is. It really has a nice prairie vista, and there's, it's very diverse as well, and so the seed harvesting that that we were doing, obviously, is to 
make some of our other prairies that might be less diverse, more diverse, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, just as a reminder, since we keep talking about harvesting seed, that you do need a permit to be doing that on DNR lands. Um, but you don't need a permit to just go out there and enjoy it. So Another place I need to go. Yeah, it's a really, really pretty mm-hmm. prairie. I highly recommend it. Gosh, I could just talk all day with Henry. I could talk all day. Well, well let's be honest. I could talk all day with Henry. <laughs> hey, that was that was a slam. You're welcome. Hey. But we'll be back next week on Prairie Tuesday where Mike and I get to continue talking. We're going to be with an oldie but a goodie invertebrate ecologist, Jessica Peterson. You might recognize Are her. You, did you say Jess is old? An oldie but a I'm goodie. I'm going to tell her. Like, not old, like, oh, dear goodness. Right. Anyway, we're going to talk about her work surveying bees with the Minnesota Biological Survey Bee Survey Specialist, Nicole Gurgitz. Oh my gosh, I hope I said your name, last name right. And last time we did an official bee list was in 1919, which is super easy for me to remember because here in Malm. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, dear, sweet no. baby prairie grass. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? No, 1919 is the name of our root beer that we have in New Ulm that Shells produces. Mm. So... It, I just, whenever I think 1919, I think of that delicious root beer. So that's when our last official list of bees came out. We are currently making a new state list for bees, and we are up to over 466 species and counting, wow. each playing a unique role in the ecosystem. Ready? Are you ready for my pun? There's lots to buzz about in this episode. You're not going to want to miss it. Oh my goodness, this episode today was produced by the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources Southern Region under the Minnesota Prairie Conservation Partnership. It was edited by Dan Ryder and engineered by Jed Beecher. As always, you can find all of the resources, including the take hikes and the let science on our website at mndnr.gov backslash prairie pod. Super glad that we got to spend this time with you guys today. Thank you so much, Henry. Yeah, same it was yeah, really an honor you. to talk to you. We should say in German, Schuss. 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 What, what does that mean? Oh, goodbye. That means bye. Okay. <laughs>